0: Thank you for joining me as we look at our third Wednesday Lenten service. Pastor Norm Berger from Shepherd of the Hills in Lansing will be here on March the 8th to share with us a message based on Luke chapter 20 verses 9 to 19. I'll look a little bit this evening at those verses, but let's begin right now with the opening liturgy to our midweek Lenten services. Hasten to save me, O God. O Lord, come quickly to help me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. You are my God, have mercy on me, Lord, for
1: I call to you all day long. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Let us confess
0: our sins in the name of our God, to whom all hearts are open and from whom no secrets are hidden. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Jesus says to his people, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. His death paid for the guilt of your sins and the sins of the whole world. Do you believe this? By the authority of Christ, I forgive you your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are a dear child of God, and an heir of eternal life. we to look tonight at the second lesson in the Passion History account according to the Gospel of Matthew. We're looking at Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 56. The first portion, Gethsemane. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. He told his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to the point of death, stay here and keep watch with me. He went a little farther, fell on his face and prayed, my father, if it is possible, Let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He came to his disciples and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, So were you not able to stay awake with me for one hour? Watch and pray so that you do not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, If it is not possible for this cup to pass from me unless I drink it, may your will be done. Again he returned and found them sleeping, because their eyes were heavy. He left them again, went away, and prayed a third time. He said the same words as before. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go, look, my betrayer is near." And the betrayal and arrest of Jesus. While Jesus was still speaking, suddenly Judas, one of the 12, arrived. With him was a large crowd of, with swords and clubs who came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Immediately he went to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, why are you here? Then they advanced, took hold of Jesus, and arrested them. Suddenly, one of the men with Jesus reached out his hand, drew his sword, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, because all who take the sword will die by the sword. Do you not realize that I could call on my Father, and at once he could provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? but then how would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowd, have you come out to arrest me with swords and clubs as if I were a robber? Day after day, I was sitting in the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me. But all this has happened so that the writings of the prophets would be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Here ends our scripture lesson. Let's continue with our our hymn for today. Hymn number 127,
1: Stricken, Smitten, and Afflicted. Stricken, smitten, and afflicted See him dying on the tree Tis the Christ by man rejected Yes, my soul, tis he, tis he Tis the long-expected prophet David's son, yet David's Lord Proofs I see sufficient of it "'tis the true and faithful word." Tell me as you hear him groaning, was there ever grief like his? Friends through fear his cause disowning, foes insulting his distress. Many hands were raised to wound him, none would intervene to say, but the deepest stroke that pierced him was the stroke that justice gave. If you think of sin but lightly, nor suppose the evil great, here you see its nature rightly, here its guilt may estimate. Mark the sacrifice appointed, see who bears the awful load. Tis the word the Lord's anointed, Son of man and Son of God. Here we have a firm foundation hear the refuge of the lost. Christ the rock of our salvation is the name of which we boast. Lamb of God for sinners wounded, sacrifice to cancel guilt. None shall ever be confounded who on him their hope had built.
0: The blood of Jesus, God's son, purifies us from all sin. Amen. The word of God we want to consider this evening as I mentioned is from Luke chapter 20 verses 9 to 19. Jesus began to tell the people this parable a man planted a vineyard, leased it to some tenant farm farmers and went away on a journey for a long time. When it was the right time, he sent a servant to his tenants to collect his share of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenant farmers beat the servant and sent him away empty handed. The man went ahead and sent yet another servant. But they also beat him, treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent yet a third. They also wounded him and threw him out. The owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenant farmers saw him, they talked it over with one another. They said, This is the heir. Let's kill him, so that the inheritance will be ours. They threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. So what will the owners of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenant farmers and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, May it never be. But he looked at them and said, Then what about this that is written, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush the one on whom it falls. That very hour, the chief priests and the experts in the law began looking for a way to lay hands on him because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. But they were afraid of the people let's bow our heads for prayer may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight O lord who art our strength and our salvation amen my dear fellow christians who are following in the footsteps of our savior Oh, it's like walking on eggshells. Maybe we're the parent who realizes that we just have to talk to that rebellious teenager. Or maybe we're the spouse who decides that it's a time that he just has to do something to cause, uh, to to make a ceasefire in the arguments that are going on that could have caused the end to their marriage relationship. Or maybe we're the manager who's tasked with with mediating a dispute at a business. Or maybe we're even a, a district officer in our church body who needs to counsel with a congregation that's having all kinds of difficulties we know the situation is tense and we know that every word we say needs to be spoken very carefully rehearsed and prayed over without ceasing as the scriptures say it's a delicate business and we don't want to make matters worse but how could that happen that things would become worse well because of in because of because instead of taking words and actions in the kindest possible way, well, instead what our sinful human nature wants to do is take things in the worst possible way. Too often we practice what we could call selective listening or defensive listening, which really isn't listening at all. We're just waiting for words to be spoken that we can seize to twist the argument in our favor. And no one enjoys being put in a situation like that where we realize that anything we say could be used against us. Such situations are physically, emotionally, and and even spiritually draining. Perhaps that's why as we age we learn to to pick our battles wisely. When we're convinced that we absolutely, if we have to get involved and say something, the old adage guides us, the less said, the better. And maybe this will make us marvel tonight as we look at, oh again, Jesus' final steps, his final steps on the way to the cross that what Jesus didn't do is he didn't hide away from the crowds or shy away from confrontation. He wasn't guided by the principle, the less said the better. Instead, the gospels are filled with chapters and chapters of what our Savior said in his final days to the crowds who were gathered in Jerusalem's temple courts for the Passover celebration he didn't shy away. He stepped in and he spoke boldly. And now much of what Jesus said was targeted it says it, the chief priests, the experts in the law and the elders. And Jesus kept speaking because, well, he wanted them to hear the law. He wanted them to see their sin, and even though they were his enemies. Jesus still wanted to reach them. Jesus still wanted to reach them. And well, how amazing and comforting it is that Jesus' final steps led to his enemies. And tonight we want to see that those enemies included the Jewish leaders, but we also need to recognize that those enemies included you and me. Whenever we read the scriptures, it's important for us to know the context of those scriptures, to know the target audience Jesus was addressing, that that portion of scripture is addressing. Tonight we're looking at Jesus' parable of the wicked tenants. Luke tells us, one day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts, and preaching the good news, the chief priests and experts in the law came to him with the elders. They asked him, tell us by what authority are you doing these things? Or who is the one who gave you this authority? Jerusalem's religious leaders were baiting the trap for Jesus. They were trying to tighten the noose around his neck that would end up killing our savior because well they already knew the answer to this throughout jesus ministry and in the temple courts what jesus repeatedly said is that his authority came from god the father because he was god the son give john's gospel a look you can look at john chapter five and seven and eight and ten and there are references that tell us that Jesus clearly said that this question was a trap and Jesus knew it that's why he answered their question with a question and he asked them the question well by whose authority was John the Baptist doing what he did and he was asking that question because he knew that the people like John the Baptist, and if those Jewish leaders attacked John the Baptist, well, then they would make themselves look bad. Well, then Jesus continued on with the parable in our reading, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And by the time Jesus finished telling this earthly story with a heavenly meaning, the religious leaders, they knew Jesus had answered their questions so perfectly that, oh, it's as if he'd raised the scope of a rifle to their foreheads and struck them with a laser-guided bullet of God's holy law. They had been accused. Well, Jesus' parable, it was taken from everyday life of the Jewish people back then. And now that idea of tenant farmers, the upper Jordan River Valley and and much of Galilee itself contained these vast estates that were owned by foreigners who lived in another country. Those farms and vineyards were run by tenant farmers and those tenant farmers, they weren't necessarily poor Keep in mind that the owners, they live far away and what they were interested in is just getting a steady stream of income from their farms and vineyards and and as long as that revenue came back to them, then they'd be happy. As long as they got the percentage of the take that they were supposed to get, probably according to a contract, contract. well, then the owner was satisfied. He didn't care if the tenant farmer became rich or filthy rich even for that matter. And, well, the owner, he wouldn't know, for example, if the tenant farmer was being honest with him, if he was holding back some of the profits skimming off of the top. Well, all of Jesus' listeners including those Jewish leaders, they knew only too well that that system using the tenant farmers was one that was rife with abuse. The tenants could take advantage of the situation. Well, in Jesus' parable, the owner commissions a servant to go and to get his portion of the his percentage of the contract, and what happened? Well, it says that servant one went there. He was beaten and sent away. Servant two was also beaten and sent away. And the third servant that was sent, well, it was worse. It says there that they wounded him, and literally it means that he was traumatized. And then it says that they threw him out. The tenant farmers here actually sound kind of like a drug-dealing cartel that was protecting their cocaine fields from a raid. So what happened next? The, the owner's patience was amazing. He says, Jesus says, well, the owner says in the parable through Jesus here, what should I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenant farmers saw him, they talked it over with one another. They said, this is the heir. Let's kill him so that the inheritance will be ours. They threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. According to their laws, under certain circumstances, if the owner died leaving no heir, whoever claimed the estate especially the current occupants they were allowed to have it so in Jesus parable these wicked tenants must have figured well the owner must have died that's why he sent his son if we kill the son then the vineyard is ours and what a tragic terrible mistake Jesus quickly wraps up the parable with a with a question. So what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenant farmers and give the vineyard to others. When Jesus finished this story, I think that what he did is he kind of just sucked the air out of the temple courts until it was replaced by that collective gasp when they said, When they heard this, they said, may it never be. The crowds that Jesus was speaking to, they got it. They understood what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about the nation of Israel. In part, they knew that because Jesus, the master teacher, he ripped this from a page of their scriptures, one they knew well as the basis for this little story. It's the extended picture that's found in Isaiah chapter five, and well, take the time sometime to read that entire chapter. For now, hope we can just hear a little bit of that story to understand what Isaiah was talking about, what we'll look at first verse seven there, where it says, Yes, the vineyard of the Lord of armies is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are the planting that was pleasing to him. He expected justice, but instead there was oppression. He expected righteousness, but there was an outcry. Isaiah 5.25 adds to that. Therefore, the Lord's anger burns against his people. He has stretched out his hand against them, and has struck them the mountains tremble and their dead bodies will lie like garbage in the middle of the streets God's own people were the vineyard in Jesus story and the servants who were beaten or even worse those were God's prophets men like Elijah Jeremiah described as the weeping prophet or John the Baptist the forerunner who prepared the way for the Lord. Time and again what happened is that God's prophets were rejected and the consequences to God's chosen people, what was supposed to be God's chosen people, that was horrific. What happened is, well, first off, there was that Assyrian captivity. It began in 722 BC when the northern ten tribes were carried off and never heard from again. And then of course, was the Babylonian captivity in 586 BC when the southern two tribes were ripped from their homeland for about 70 years and and then, of course, some of them, a small remnant, did return. And all of that happened. The rejecting of those servants took place so that God could send his beloved son into the world the son who made sure that his final steps led to his enemies, even though he knew full well that they'd end up rejecting him and killing him. The minute that Jesus finished telling this parable, the the crowds got it. And so did the Jewish leaders. Luke says, that very hour the chief priests and the experts in the law began looking for a way to lay hands on him because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. The noose was tightening around Jesus' neck because well, Jesus' final steps led to his enemies. Those enemies were the Included the Jewish leaders and Jesus, well, all of this fit together so that Jesus would die on Calvary's center cross just three days later. But now if our sermon ended right now, what would you have gained? Just another history lesson, really, and more. You've seen some other people who were jesus enemies but you and i need to need far more than that and just to think of uh, those jewish leaders as his enemies we all need to know that jesus final steps led to his enemies and yeah, his enemies included those jewish leaders but his enemies also included you and me When the collective gasp there may it never be filled the vacuum of those temple courts that day, Jesus seized the moment and spoke some words that you and I also need to hear. Jesus said, then what was, then what about this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush the one on whom it falls our savior here is quoting psalm 118 verse 22 the famous cornerstone prophecy but but now what is a cornerstone well when you think about a cornerstone today a cornerstone today it might be a plaque it might be an engraved marble slab that we cement into the walls of a prominent building today, a church building for example, but in Jesus' day the cornerstone was much more significant. It was the first stone that was laid. It determined the orientation northeast-southwest of the building and it also bore the weight and stress of two of the walls of the structure. So if that cornerstone failed, the building fell. Now let's go back to Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus is that cornerstone. Everyone in the temple courts that Tuesday who heard Jesus' parable, his warning, his use of Psalm 118, understood that. That included the Jewish religious leaders who hated Jesus and wanted him gone. And Well, they wanted him gone, well, partly because it says there that the people were following Jesus instead of them. And they also wanted him gone Because Jesus preached the Lord's good news. That sounds strange to put it that way. But Jesus' teaching of God's gracious forgiveness and not the fake forgiveness that the Jewish leaders were peddling. You know, forgiveness that could be bought and sold by the merchants and the money changers who normally set up their shop in the temple courts. You know, because Jesus said this, because of everything that happened here, just two days later, those same Jewish leaders, they grew bold enough to send their thugs to lay hands on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And within 24 hours of that, they had Jesus crucified. Their rejection of the cornerstone it became complete but understand that their rejection of the cornerstone didn't really hurt the cornerstone and Jesus died but it really hurt them their rejection of the cornerstone really hurt them it crushed them that's why Jesus what Jesus was getting at when he paraphrased that well known jewish that common Jewish proverb that says, if a stone falls on a pot, woe to the pot. If the pot falls on the stone, woe to the pot. Either way, woe to the pot. May it never be God forbid that anyone would reject Jesus, the cornerstone, for then God's righteous judgment would end up crushing them. So it will be for anyone who remains an enemy of the Lord, and that, my friends, could be you and me too. For that is what we once were as members of the human race. The Apostle Paul warned, the mindset of the sinful flesh is hostile to God since it does not submit to God's law, and in fact it cannot Those who are in the sinful flesh cannot please God. Now, what we've said, of course, is that Jesus' enemies, it included those Jewish leaders and it also included you and me. All the more reason for us to treasure the good news, the good news that Jesus came, oh, not only to preach, but also to make a reality that what Jesus did is for all of his enemies, including those Jewish leaders, including you and me. Well, Jesus suffered and died on the cross on Calvary, on Good Friday's cross. And for all of his enemies, including you and me, he finished his work there on the cross to wash away, to pay for every one of our sins with his holy, precious blood. And that includes all all those little nitpicky and, and persnickety sins that we may be struggling with in our lives. All of those sins, all of the ways in which we might be inclined to sin and rebel against God, all of those sins, even that those Jewish leaders committed, you know, and nailing Jesus to the cross, getting him nailed to the cross. Oh wait, that includes me too, because my sins put him on the cross too, right? But Jesus lived and died to pay for all of those sins. The Jewish leader's sins for my sins and for your sins. And you know, Jesus' final steps led to his enemies. He wanted to reach them. He wanted to show them, show us our sin, and pay for our sins. And pay for our sins so that we could look forward to eternal life in heaven. You know, Jesus is that cornerstone that rock that stone that grounds us all right now that gives us God's real truth his final steps that led to the cross to take care of our sins and his final steps led to his enemies because he wants us to know he is the cornerstone Your cornerstone and mine, the cornerstone that the Apostle Paul was talking about when he wrote, You have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord In him, you too are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We, like those Jewish leaders, were enemies of God. But Jesus' final steps, they led to us. And what's God's greatest desire? What's Jesus' greatest desire? To reach us. To make us members of his believing family so we can look forward to not what we deserve, but the eternal life that Christ won for us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts to direct and rule us according to your will, to comfort us in all afflictions, to to defend us from all error, and to lead us into all truth. We pray through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We gather up all of the prayers we have tonight as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you for joining me for Worship this evening, our third midweek Lenten service. Don't really have any announcements to share with you right now, just the closing, the Lord bless and keep you always.